Got questions? The Bible has answers. We'll help you find them. Welcome to the God Questions Podcast with Shay Hoodman, President of God Questions Ministries. Welcome to the Got Questions Podcast. And this episode is going to be different than any ones we've had before, and that we're actually spotlighting a Christian artist, a Christian musician that I've been a huge fan of. We have today John Cooper, the lead singer of Skillet. So, John, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be with you today, man. So let me tell you a, a funny story. So I came to faith in Christ in my late teens. I, I looked you up and we're actually almost the exact same age. So you grew up at the same time frame I did. The youth pastor, he started discipling me. One of the first things he confronted me about was my choice in music. And he looked through my music collection, saw Metallica, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, it's all this hard rock, heavy metal type of music. And it's like, Shay, this is not the sort of thing you need to be filling your brain with. So one of the first steps you need to take as a new believer is you need to get rid of all this stuff and listen to him pained me greatly to see all of those going into the trash. And in, to replace them, he gave me a Petra cassette and a DC Talk. I believe it was their Free at Last album. Now, don't get me wrong. I love me some Toby Mac and Tate. But at the time, based on the music I was listening to before, those were not exactly adequate replacements. So my question for you is, where was Skillet in 1992 when I needed you guys? Yeah. <laughs> I was I was I was listening to those same records that you're talking about. Yeah. You know, um man, 1992 <laughs> there there actually were a bunch of great Christian metal bands at there that were. time. Mm-hmm. But they uh they they were just so unknown. That, that like you said like so if you liked Metallica and Megadeth and and your youth pastor said, uh, "Don't listen to that stuff." And to them, DC Talk who is awesome, of course, which you just said, of course, yeah. DC Talks, awesome. Toby's, you know, iconic Christian mm-hmm. artist. Yeah. But if you, if what you like is Metallica and Megadeth, DC Talks, nothing like that. It's a totally yeah. different genre. But yeah. there were these great Christian metal bands, White Cross, Baron Cross, and even like really heavy, like Deliverance and, mm-hmm. and Tourniquet. They were some great metal bands, but there just wasn't the platform. And so I always like to brag on Christian music. Because uh, there'd be no skillet had these bands, uh, Guardian, uh, love Guardian. They did what they did, and and there wasn't much of a platform for it, and it kept building and building, and now people like me get to have the fruits of all that work they did. So I'm appreciative to them. Striper, of course. Yeah. So some of the ones you've mentioned are ones that I thankfully eventually discovered to scratch that hard rock heavy metal itch that I still have. (laughs) Good. So, so Skill has a new album coming out soon called Dominion. So, tell me about the album. What's um, what was your inspiration or motivation for this album as opposed to some of the previous ones? Well, yes, Dominion. I'm so very excited. I love the name Dominion. Um, since we're doing a, a, a cool podcast here, you probably don't mind if I give you some of the the deeper meanings. You know, sometimes when you do it, you do these rock interviews. You, you just got to say something really quick. It's great. Is this? Blah, and, and you're on to the next question. But there are some really deep concepts in Dominion that I feel really passionate about. But I'll just say it like this. We're in a time where there are a lot of forces, a lot of forces trying to control your life. Mm-hmm. That could be, of course, inward, you know, and of course, good theology. We know what those forces are. We're talking about the flesh. We're talking about Satan himself, his disciples. You're talking about all those, those kind of things. 
And then with this pandemic and all of the polarization from, from politics and not just, it's not actually really about politics. It's really about how much our philosophical underpinnings of the, of the entire world, not just America, mm-hmm. have shifted so drastically that now there's all this information in our heads. People are really confused about the way we view truth. Is there such thing as truth? Is there such thing as actual history or is history also subjective? We're faced with it every day is what I'm saying. Then we have externalities. We have pandemics, vaccines. We have mandates. We have people yelling about this. We have protests for racial justice. There's so much happening. And I believe we're in a time, namely, that there is this incredible overreach from the government reaching into our lives in a way that it not only is unlawful according to American law, but it is unlawful according to biblical law, in, in my opinion. Government reaching into my life, John, saying, John, you do not have the right to go to church to sing a song to Christ but during a pandemic or dur- because of this. I don't believe the government has a right to do that. All of that stuff is written in this record. It's called dominion. Because what it means is this, under the authority of Christ, Christ has dominion over all the earth, right? Mm-hmm. In the book of Daniel, uh, it says that um, Nebuchadnezzar actually says it. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. That's what the title of the record really is about. But under God's authority, that means that I have a certain amount of dominion over my life, under the dominion of Christ, of course. And this album is sort of a, I th- hope, a voice, maybe even prophetic voice, you might want to say, um, a rebuke. It's a rebuke to the power of the state. In philosophy, you'd call it statism, right? Mm -hmm. That the state is the all-powerful, the state is the God, trying to act like the God. It's a rebuke to the state. You do not have the right. It's a rebuke to fear. I've never seen Christians living in this much fear, or people in general, just about the pandemic and what's going to happen with their life and triple mask. And I'm just like, I mean, talk about being ruled by fear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a, a rebuke to living under that fear. If you are in Christ, you don't live according to fear. The, you know, the Bible says, for I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Mm-hmm. So dominion is uh, the title. I'm glad I'm doing a Christian podcast because I can actually go on deep concepts. All of this is about that. It is about mm-hmm. saying this world belongs to Christ. This world does not belong to the devil, does not belong to some sort of pagan deity called history, <laughs> which is one of the things we hear all the time now. It doesn't belong to fear. It doesn't belong to politicians. And it's also based on the last thing I'll say this uh, in biblical theology, we call it the culture mandate, don't we? It's to, to go into all the earth, to rule and subdue, to, to bring dominion to the earth under the lordship of Christ. That's what we are supposed to do as the church. So all those messages are on this record, and I hope that it's fun to listen to. (laughs) For sure. So tell me about um, musically, how is Dominion different than previous Skillet albums? I had the opportunity to listen to a preview of it before it was released. That was great. Love the album. Love the sound. It sounds like Skillet, but it doesn't sound exactly the same. So how would you describe musically this album being different from previous Skillet albums? Well, I do think it is it is different, and I think that you even hearing that really long explanation of what Dominion is about, you probably pick up on the fact that I've got a little bit of attitude these days. <laughs> I've got a little bit of, of gusto, a little bit of, hey, we have to stand up for what we believe right now. There's a lot 
there's a lot riding, I believe, on what the church is going to do. And it's not just going to affect Christians. It's going to, I believe, affect everybody. If the church doesn't do our job and stand up for truth, it's going to be bad for everybody involved. And so because of that, I think that the record is quite, it's just quite aggressive. It's big. It's it's a little heavier. I think it's a little hard, more. It reminds me of our Awake album, which I know you mentioned earlier. It kind of reminds me of that record in that the aggression of the music has to match the aggression of the lyrics. You know, it has to to match that theme. Like the first single we released was called Surviving the Game. I mean, the first line of the chorus, I can be unstoppable, going to walk through hell, going to shake the walls. You've got to have something heavy for that. You know, you can't be, you know, you, you, you can't be doing uh, Amy Grant to that. Not a diss on Amy Grant, just saying we got to have something heavy. So the, the record is uh, very modern. A lot of digital, a lot of digital instruments, digital guitars. Not all the guitars are digital, by the way, but a lot of them are. And I think that that, that just made it, it updated the sound of Awake, in in my opinion, to where it's it's, it's kind of heavy. And we tried some new stuff. There's a little bit of screaming on the record, uh, which is uh, <laughs> which is a little bit new for Skillet. A little bit of what I would call screaming, and and even a little bit of, I don't want to say rap, but there's a few rap. Like you know, there's there's a, more of a hip hop influence, but but with heavy guitars. So that's kind of being shown on the record in a new way. Yeah, for sure. So again, love the album. I definitely recommend people to get it. And then, um, it kind of leads into my next question. So two of my favorite bands are, are Skill and Switchfoot, which aren't same musically, both rock bands, <laughs> but diff- very different sounds. And what I love is that a Christian can listen to. Um, a skillet album or a switch album and get deep spiritual meaning from the songs. People who are not a believer can listen to it and not even really know that the lyrics have a spiritual meaning. So how do you balance that as a believer of wanting to produce something that's spiritually meaningful, that points to the truth while also not turning off people who aren't really looking for that in, in the music they listen to? Yeah, I think that that's actually a great question. And lots of people are going to have very different opinions on this. And and I'm always very, I think I'm pretty gracious towards people that disagree with me about this, all right? Because I think this is a matter of conscience. But I think that art, in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. the best art is art that I can watch a film or listen to a song or look at a painting, and I can sort of interpret you know, the undertones of what they were trying to say. Uh, for instance, uh, maybe I love the book 1984. Th- that's a good example. 1984 is just a really fantastic story. You don't have to understand anything about communism or the tyranny and totalitarian regimes. You don't have to know anything about that just to read the book and say that was really cool, you know. And I think the art is done well like that. And I think that there's a place for Christian music that is overt and could be more like like the way we sing hymns at church, you know what I mean? The hymns at church or, or worship songs have a distinct purpose. And that purpose should be to glorify God as he is. It should be to sing about his attributes, right? And the things he's done for us. And that should be very theologically rigid, I would say. When I get into Christian music, I see Christian music as art. And I'm not saying that it's okay to say things that are, that are wrong. But I, I like to write songs that could that could mean something different to you than it means to someone that is not a Christian. That, that, you know, we have a song called "Hero" from the Awake album. All around the world, I was I was in Russia 
and somebody because during the time heroes becoming a pretty a pretty big you know radio hit at the time and in russia in an interview and he says so this song hero who is your hero and at that time i had only ever answered that question in america and so to a lot of people in america if you say jesus they feel like you're not answering the question because they assume that Jesus is your ultimate hero, but what they mean is, who are your other heroes? Why do they assume that? They assume it because we used to live in a very Christian culture. Well, all of a sudden, I'm in Russia, and I said, uh, my hero is Jesus. And they said, uh, he said, uh, Jesus who? <laughs> and I was like, wow. oh, oh. And so we started having a talk about who Jesus was. And he says to me after the end, he says, he says, are you saying, John, are you saying that you believe that Jesus of Nazareth, who died on, on the cross, are you saying that you believe that he is also God? And that's when I was like, oh, we're not in Kansas anymore. You know, in America, everybody has these assumptions. And I was in Russia. I was like, oh, yes, that is what I'm saying. Jesus is also God. And so what I'm saying is, is that it's cool. My song got big in other countries and hero, their hero could be something completely antithetical to what I would believe. I think it's a great way to evangelize. It's a great asset for the church to use in order as a supplement. But my only warning for that is just when Christian music becomes a way of teaching people doctrine, that's when I get really nervous. I think Christian music should be a supplemental thing in your life, but we should be looking at doctrine <laughs> according to historical and uh, you know sources and orthodoxy. Oh, that's an excellent segue to the uh, next question. Um, you've spoken a lot about, I mean, it was a couple of years ago, I think, where it became big, where several Christian artists um, deconstructed their faith or whatever. And for some Christians who really looked up to those artists, it was it was devastating to hear of their decision to depart from the faith. And see, not just Christian artists, but some prominent Christian leaders were doing the same. So as a Christian artist, to um, Skillet's been a very popular band for a while now. I'm sure you get the the fangirl and the fanboy treatment on occasion. How do you respond to that? And how do you explain to people that as a Christian artist, you should not be a role model, at least not in the um, the doctrinal sense, or don't look to me as your spiritual authority or your end-all be-all for all things related to the faith. That should be other people. So tell our listeners yeah. briefly, how do you respond when something like that happens? Yeah, I think that that's a really great question. I, I kind of like it how you said at the end, which was, um, don't look to me to be your spiritual authority, I think is is a great way to say it. Okay. Definitely don't look to me to be your spiritual authority. I think that I would separate a couple of things here, because I have said a lot of things on this subject, and, and it, you know, you have limited time. Separate a couple of issues. Number one, in terms of Christian musicians being role models, a lot of people mean different things with that, mm -hmm. that language. I would say this, a, a biblical precedent for all of us, whether you're a school teacher, a rock star, or a plumber, I think is what Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm -hmm. We should all be living a life worthy of imitation. Uh, so there, there can be an idea in our culture to where we put you know, preachers or pastors up on some sort of pedestal um, meaning that that they are more spiritual than us, so their lives should they should have more lordship than we do. Something of that nature. Does that make sense? In yeah. other words, they should be really serious about sin. I need to be eighty percent as serious about sin, and so on and so forth. 
obviously, if you are a Christian leader, you are under a different standard in terms of what God calls you to, but you're not under a different standard in terms of God's holy law and God's holy word. We are all under the same standard. So if you're a plumber, you should be living a life worthy of imitation as well. So I always accept that responsibility as a as a role model, if you will, in that sense. Yes, that's okay. Young people, you can look to me as a role model in that sense, as I'm doing my very best to, to live for Christ. But I would not say look to me as, as a role model in terms of I'm where you go for your doctrine. I'm where you go for your spiritual authority. I am supplemental. But I think this is part of a larger issue, if I, if I may. This isn't just in the church. This is in the secular world too. I mean, this is really just the the sort of culture, what do I want to say, philosophical shift that's happened since, I think mainly since the 60s, really. And it has become so popular that even in the world, uh, secular, uh, academia, you know, there it's just very popular to not look back at any historical wisdom. It's kind of a progressive way to look at, at knowledge. It's 2021. So even a teenager now has more knowledge than the ancient wisdom, you know, traditions or something like that. That is not helpful because what, what you have now is, uh, is a whole generation of people that they know a lot of facts about things, but they don't understand wisdom because they have intentionally ignored the wisdom of the past. And we see that with American historical revisionism. You, you see it in everything. And we're seeing that in the church too. So what happens is that a lot of young people, especially, don't really understand the Bible. They're not really plugged into a church. They don't have a relationship with any church leaders. They don't know what their pastor's talking about. Maybe their preacher isn't even really preaching the truth of God. Maybe they're just telling stories. Maybe churches become self-help. I don't know their, their situation. But what they do is they look to influencers to tell them how to live. And those influencers, when they deconstruct or when they fall away, it's just devastation. And so I'm splitting that up into a bunch, a bunch of things there. And, and my, the main thing I would say is this, we have to train people to, to remember the wisdom, the wisdom of all those who came before us, the, the incredible 2,000 years of church history we have that we should be building upon in our lives upon the foundation of the absolute truth of the Word of God, of the Bible. And if we do that, I think we'll be all right. So I've heard you talk um, several times about your fondness for reading old dead guys. So what are some <laughs> of the, um, what are some Christian books you've read recently that you found beneficial, edifying, encouraging to you? Oh, there's so many. I mean, I love the Puritans and I know that's not very popular. Well, I guess the Puritans is popular in a lot of reformed theology circles, yeah. but a lot of people are like, oh, the Puritans were no fun. I mean, I read a book called um, The Mortification of the Flesh. And all of a sudden, I can't remember who, who wrote who wrote Mortification of the Flesh. He's a Puritan. All of a sudden, it's escaping me. I found it changed. It just changed my life. I mean, it was so radical and so amazing. The Puritans are great. And uh, Ryle, that's spelled R-Y-L-E. Yeah, so uh, J.C. Ryle. J.C. Yeah. Ryle, that's right. Yeah. J.C. Mm-hmm. Ryle wrote, wrote an amazing book um, called Holiness, which is also a life changer. So I... I really can't get enough of the Puritans. On the other side of the theological spectrum, you would have A.W. Tozer. I love Tozer. And uh, A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God, was the first real theology book I ever read when I was yeah. in college and, and just cha- radically changed me. And so 
I always have a steady diet of Tozer and the Puritans, and uh, that, that, that'll give people a good place to start. Oh, that's awesome. So um, we're about out of time, but uh, so back to the Dominion album. So I don't know. I, give, give me a sales pitch. Why should people um, want to listen to, the, to that album? Um, our audience is primarily Christian, so people who are interested in building their faith. And uh, I mean, music has been a huge part of my life, as we discussed at the beginning, just uh, I'm having Christian bands to replace the secular ones I was listening to, to start filling my head with, with truth and love instead of the, for the most part, garbage I was listening to before. So who is Dominion for? Why should people um, consider um, acquiring it? <laughs> you need to go acquire it, everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, uh, I, I personally love the record. I think that it's one of our best records we've made. It gets hard to choose. It's like choosing a favorite kid because you love, you know, you, you love the records for the times you made them. The record is really exciting to listen to. I have a feeling it is going to energize people in their faith in, in a way maybe that because of the time we're in. In, in other words, I think there's a lot of Christians because of pandemic, because of if they feel the way that I feel, seeing government overreach, see, seeing that, hey, it could be the case that your religious freedoms could be taken away. What would you be willing to do? If that were the case, would you be willing to go to prison for your faith? Would you be willing to go to prison to be able uh, to, to go to church and, and sing worship songs to Christ, right? So on and so forth. A lot of people are seeing what's happening, and they are also seeing the destruction. We, um, not that I want to get on a tangent, but they are seeing the destruction of what happens when we do not believe that God's Word is true, and when, when the destruction of sexual liberation and the moral revolution from the 60s that now has outworked itself to such a degree that even Christian people, I know somebody, I know people, I'm just going to say this, I won't say, I don't want to say their names, I don't want to be rude, people that I know that have served Christ for 20 years, that within the last two years have fallen away to such a, a degree that they now are in, uh, it's actually called a thruple. That's when you have a, a three people married together. We now have three people married together that served Christ for 20 years. And little by little by little, they began to not believe in the word of God. And now they've gone so far down. Everybody watching this has heard stories like that. And so now when you listen to the album, it's going to mean something different than had it come out five years ago. All of a sudden, you're going to hear this record. You're going to hear lyrics like in uh, our first song, Surviving the Game, uh, that says, I'll give you some lyrics here. All the liars around me, like the wolves at the walls, they surround me. And then it says, I come out like a lion. I was born to be demon defiant. You're going to hear these lyrics and you're going to say, oh, that's what this is about. This is about not giving in to fear, not giving in to the people online that are trying to shut you up because you talk about Jesus too much or trying to force you to do something that in your conscience, you know, you're not supposed to do. It's going to give you that sort of, I hope faith encouragement to stand up for Jesus, maybe in a way that you hadn't in the past. So, uh, and I will leave it at this. The last song of the record <laughs> is called White Horse. And we've never made a song like this before. It's about the book of Revelation. Jesus comes back on a white horse, coming to judge the earth, coming to wage war upon his enemies. I've always wanted to make a song about repent and be born again. And that's what this song is about. I think it's going to really 
I just think it's going to fire people up. So go check out Dominion, check out the songs and take it to the gym because it will get you pumped up. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, I was just at the gym this morning thinking, oh, yeah, I need something heavier to listen to. So, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, the free preview I got for Dominion didn't allow me to, to actually download it. I only listened to it online. So, um, oh, I soon. hate that. I hate so, that. Soon, yeah. soon. So, <laughs> to John, thank you so much for being on the show. Again, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Skillet, and I'm also a huge fan of how you've been speaking out just culturally and the stuff we see going on in the world today and um, speaking the truth in love. So, Keep doing it, man. I That's appreciate great. it. We need, we need more people like you out there and with standing up for Christ Amen. with some boldness. Amen. Right. I love it. Thanks so much for it's having been, me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. This has been the, the Guy Questions podcast, a little different episode, having a Christian artist rather than um, discussing the typical directly biblical issues, but important topics we talk about. And again, I love skill. It would highly recommend you to uh, listen to the album and consider acquiring it. So this is the Guy Questions podcast. Got questions? Bible has answers, and we'll help you find them. Your questions, biblical answers. The Got Questions Podcast. Check us out at podcast.gotquestions.org.